Hey everybody, so glad you have joined us today. If you are joining us online for the first time, welcome. My name is Jason Wolliver, and I'm the directing pastor at Crossroads, and we're delighted that you're with us. This is week four in this Advent message series, He is Coming. Our scripture today is a very famous one from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter one, verses 18 through 25. Hear this reading from God's holy word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Come Holy Spirit, kindle in us the fire of your love. Fill our hearts. Come Prince of Peace. Change our hearts, our minds, and fill us with the joy of the Lord. Amen. So it would be hard to find any historian, even if they were agnostic, atheist, or from another religion, who didn't believe in the birth, life, and death of Jesus of Nazareth. Some might even say that Jesus was resurrected in some way, as in his spirit ascended to the afterlife as his body lay in the ground, or his spirit continued to be lived out in his community who followed his teachings, even though they wouldn't believe that he was raised from the dead bodily. But for those of us who hold to the teachings of historic Christianity, we don't just believe in the birth, life, death, and some sort of resurrection of Jesus. We believe with all of our hearts in the virgin birth of Jesus, the sinless life of Jesus, the atoning death of Jesus, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Our text for today is one of the two texts which share the most beautifully the story of the virgin birth of Jesus. And it shares the reason that Jesus came in the first place. And it shows God's amazing love for his sin-sick creation and for each of us. Let's walk through this text and see what we can learn about our awesome God. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So in this time, in this culture, the marriage process had three phases to it. The first phase was engagement. This was often prearranged when two individuals were children and could be set in place by parents or a professional matchmaker. The children that were being engaged might not even know each other, but that was not a problem because marriage was seen as something so serious that it shouldn't be left to human fancies or romantic attraction. The adults needed to arrange the marriages rather than the children. Now, when the engaged couple grew older, they would enter into a betrothal phase. 
This would be the official ratification of the engagement. Once this phase was entered into, there was no turning back. It was absolutely binding. During this year-long betrothal period, the couple was already referred to as husband and wife, though they did not live together or sleep together. The only way the betrothal could be broken was through a formal divorce. After the betrothal year, the couple would be properly married and begin living together and enjoying marriage as a husband and wife. Mary and Joseph would have been in the year-long betrothal period before marriage when Mary became pregnant. You may remember the story from Luke's gospel about how that happened. The angel Gabriel appeared to the young Virgin Mary and told her that she was going to become the mother of the Messiah, who would rule over God's people from the throne of his ancestor, David. And she asked the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It says in Luke 1.35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. When Mary heard this, she surrendered herself to God's plan to bear the child of God. She then rushed off to see her elderly relative, Elizabeth, whom the angel had told her was also miraculously pregnant, six months by this time, in her old age, with one who would become John the Baptist. And so Mary went and stayed with Elizabeth for three months, probably till John the Baptist was born, and then she returned to Nazareth. When Mary came back to Nazareth, she would have been in her fourth month. She would have been showing. She would have been found to be pregnant. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, this tells us a lot about the kind of man that Jesus' adoptive father was. When Joseph saw that Mary was pregnant, the situation had every appearance of adultery. Again, they were already considered husband and wife. And Joseph knew that he had not slept with her, so the baby could not be his. And in both Old and New Testaments, we find that God takes sexual immorality very seriously. And the scriptures tell us in the Old Testament, the punishment for adultery was death by stoning. And not only does Joseph not want to have her stoned, he doesn't even want to humiliate her and put her to shame. So in his immense pain and confusion, Joseph decides to simply divorce her quietly and let Mary salvage whatever life she could. Verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, there's a lot going on in these verses that we could note. First, we could note that Joseph's self-control and refusal to rush into judgment gave space for God to speak into his situation. We live in a world where people are quick to rush to judgments about others and buy into narratives and get angry without even verifying the accuracy of the stories that they're reacting to. If Joseph hadn't stepped back and taken some time to consider things, Mary might have been stoned before the angel could even appear to Joseph. 
We would all do ourselves and others a lot of favors if we were more like Joseph in this regard. If we practice what it talks about in James 1, verses 19 through 20, which says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Or what's written about in Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, which says, When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and keep silent. Make right sacrifices and put your trust in God. Joseph may have been meditating on Psalm 4, 4 when he chose to slow down and sleep on it. Second, we could note how God showed Joseph an option that he probably haven't even considered. Joseph went to sleep that night thinking he had two options, have Mary stoned or divorce her quietly. He probably hadn't even considered the option of sticking with her and helping raise the child. When we slow down our response time to hear from God, he often opens up options and ideas that we never would have come to on our own. Third, we could note that God had a very important role for Joseph to play. God wanted Joseph to adopt the child as his own. By naming the child, Joseph would be claiming the child. This would take a lot of courage on Joseph's part because everyone would either think the baby wasn't Joseph's or that Joseph and Mary had maybe rushed into things and committed sexual immorality before they were married. Either way, it would have been scandalous. And God was asking Joseph to be willing to take the path that others would probably not understand for years to come. But what I feel that God wants us to especially take note of this Christmas season is the name that Joseph was to give this child and why he was to name him this. It says in verse 21 that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua, which means the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. Jesus was not an uncommon name among first century Jews, but the reason this child would be called Jesus was incredibly uncommon. He was to be named Jesus because this child would save God's people from their sins. Now, commentators are quick to point out that the Jewish people of this time were not looking for a Messiah who would come to save them from their own sins. Rather, they wanted a Messiah who would come and save them from the oppression they were living under, under the Romans. And it's probably the same for each of us. This Christmas, we may want to be saved from any number of things. We might want to be saved from financial debt or a bad work environment. We might want to be saved from the rising cost of living or inflation. We may want to be saved from the conflict we're living through or some social agenda that we don't agree with. God sees all of our felt needs and cares about each and every one of them. And he could instantly save us from any of them. But he also knows that our deepest need isn't, if it's not met, then none of those things matter in the end. And the deepest need that each one of us has is the one that Jesus came to meet. He came to save his people from their sins. This Christmas, we might not even realize that this is what we need more than anything else. And yet, if we don't have this, 
It doesn't matter what else we get for Christmas. It's not going to fix our brokenness. Now, theologians point out that there are many different aspects of this wonderful salvation that Jesus came to bring us. First, Jesus came to and does save us from the penalty of our sins. From the first chapters of the Bible all the way to the end, we are informed that the penalty for sin is death. And not only do we all sin continually, but we have all inherited this inner proclivity to sin from our first parents, Adam and Eve. And since Adam and Eve sinned, we have all been genetically predisposed to sin, bent towards sin. We are born selfish to look at our own needs, to live apart from God, and we do. But God did not create us to experience death, the penalty of sin. He created us for life. So on Christmas, he sent his son, fully human, but without a human father. And the virgin-born Jesus lived a sinless life. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 that he was tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. And then at the age of 33, this Jesus allowed himself to die on the cross that he might pay the penalty of our sin in our place. On the cross, all of the sins of the human race, past, present, and future, were heaped upon Jesus, the innocent, infinite Son of God. Then he was vindicated through his bodily resurrection three days later, proving his identity as the Son of God and proving that he had defeated death for all who had put their faith in him. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sins. And if that's never sunk in before, hear it today. Jesus died in your place on the cross so that you can be forgiven, divinely pardoned by God and adopted into God's family through faith. There's no sin that you have done, could do, or will do that is greater than the price that Jesus paid through his bloodshed on the cross. And if you've never acknowledged your sinfulness before God and accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is the gift that God desperately wants you to receive this Christmas. But Jesus also came to and does save us from the power of sin. When we put our faith in Jesus, not only do we no longer have to fear future punishment for our sin, but we receive present power over our sin. Before we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, we do not have the power to say no to the thoughts, actions, and behaviors which are destroying us. We simply can't not sin. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But when we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, he not only forgives us, but he fills us with the Holy Spirit, who gives us power over sin. Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, was able to resist sin his entire life because of the Spirit's power within him. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the power to say no to sin and yes to the good things of God. This means because of Jesus, we are no longer stuck. Satan would tell us we are stuck. Satan would tell us we can't change, but that is a lie. Here's the thing. 
Jesus accepts every sinner exactly as they come. And he expects everyone who comes to him to change dramatically through the Holy Spirit's power. As the old Charles Wesley hymn says, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. As Jesus said in John chapter eight, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. If you've never heard this before or it's never sunk in, if you are in Christ, you are not in bondage to bad habits, thoughts, behaviors, or inclination. You may need to retrain yourself not to give in to those things, but you have been saved from the power of sin through the Holy Spirit. Maybe this Christmas, you need to realize this for the first time, that God has given you the gift of freedom, and you just have to learn how to use it. As Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Number three, Jesus came to and does save us from the pollution of sin. When we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, he immediately gives us a divine pardon, adopts us into God's family, fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we continue to walk with Jesus, we eventually experience more and more freedom from the pollution of sin in our lives. This process is called sanctification. As we walk with Jesus, we become more like Jesus. But it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens as we cooperate with Jesus to become the holy, godly people that he died for us to become. Sanctification comes through continually, realigning ourselves with God's word, confessing our sin in prayer, in spirit-filled community. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3, for the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The longer we walk with Christ and mature as Christians, the more progress we make in developing Christ-like character. In 10 years, if you are really seeking to live a Christ-centered, godly life, you will be exhibiting and feeling more love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, faithfulness, and gentleness and self-control than you are today. This is how God works in our lives as we work with him. The pollution of sin will decrease and the goodness of God will grow within us as the spirit makes us more and more like him. Finally, number four, Jesus came to and will save us from the presence of sin. When Jesus comes back, his winnowing fork will be in his hand, as John said, and he will separate the wheat from the chaff. Then Satan and those who love sin more than the Savior will be released forever to go their own way. And God's people will live with Jesus in the new glorious, imperishable bodies in a new heaven and a new earth where sin no longer exists. The power of the Holy Spirit will live so prominently within us that we will walk and live human lives forever as they were meant to be lived without sinning just as Jesus did during his time on earth. The pollution of sin will be wiped away completely from the presence of God's people. So the angel told Joseph, Joseph, the baby. Yeah, 
It's from the Holy Spirit, for real. So go ahead and marry the girl. Adopt the child as your own. Name him Jesus, for this child will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So friends, this is what Christmas is really all about. God's only son entered into this world, born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die an atoning death, and experience a bodily resurrection to save you and me from our sins. Four very quick applications in closing. Number one, acknowledge you are a sinner. You can't accept God's Christmas gift if you don't think you need it. You have to start by acknowledging that you are a sinner, that apart from the Savior, you don't stand a chance. None of us do. But second is accept Jesus as your Savior. If you haven't done so, open God's great gift for all, which is also for you. If you haven't humbly, gratefully, and fully accepted Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for your sins and the Lord of your life, do so today. This is what Christmas is all about. Number three is eradicate sin by his power. If you are a Christian, don't believe the lie that you are stuck. He has rescued you from the power of sin and you can live in freedom. We are here to help you. If you feel stuck and don't know how to get out of the mess that you're in, please talk to me, one of the pastors, or Holly Snyder, a director of congregational care, and we can meet with you. We can help you take the step toward finding and living into freedom in Christ. And finally, is share the good news with everyone. Everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone needs the Holy Spirit. Everyone needs the healing power of God in their lives. And everyone is invited to join Jesus and us in eternity. But it's our job to make sure that they know. So let's do that. Let's pray. God, you are truly good. We thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, he satisfies all of our needs and he meets our deepest need, salvation from sin. And now, Lord, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us as we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us say together what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.